But what does the world think about us? If you're visiting this morning, we're wrapping up a series on how do you be in the world but not of it. Jesus said, go into all the world. And we're going to read a passage of where he prays to the Father, I'm sending them into the world. But he said, you are not of the world. Well, the world, what do they think of us? Two weeks ago, we answered the question, how selfish are we? If you ask the average person that's not a Christian, all Christians want is their money. They're selfish. And yet we reviewed that some of the greatest acts of charity in the history of this world were done by the followers of Jesus Christ. And we launched Imagine LA to work together to get the children off of the street with all houses of faith. Last week we looked at how stupid are we? People say, you're a Christian? What do you like, you know, uh, park your brain outside before you go in? You believe that Bible stuff? And we found out that some of the most brilliant minds of women and men that have ever walked this planet in science and arts and literature, as if today are devout followers of Jesus. Well, this morning we answer our final question, how intolerant are we? Like when you meet somebody and if they've never really met a Christian, you go, I'm a Christian. Great, I, I don't have a bigot friend. It's nice to meet you. And they think, well, you're against everything but you. Well, is that so? Jesus, as he gathers his disciples together, right before his crucifixion, when the first time he took the Passover meal, and as he shared this, he told them, gentlemen, I got some tough news for you. So if you have your Bible, would you take it out and stand with me for the reading of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of John in the 15th chapter. It's on page 878 in your Red Pew Bible. John 15, verses 18 through 25. He has just told them how much He loves them, and He says, You will have tribulation, but I will overcome the world. So you cheer up, cheer up. But then He tells them, This is what you should expect when you go out and you love them, and you wash their feet and carry their bags in My name. This is what you should expect from some of them. If you're visiting, we'll read together out loud, verses 18 through 25. When you get done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe it, you'll say, thanks be to God. So together as God's people, let's read this aloud. As you read, listen carefully, you're reading God's word. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the bloom fades, but those words will never pass away. Well, when you go out and you interact with people, as I do, and when you use our mission statement for this chapter of Bel Air to make Los Angeles the greatest city for Christ in America, well, people will say, well, what about all the other faiths? And they think that we're really mean-spirited. They probably think that this would be our anthem. 
How you doing? That wasn't good enough. How you doing? Excellent. All right. Um, You know how our pastor drones on and on about making L.A. the greatest city for Christ. All right. Um, That might have been the wrong word, but still, he says it a lot. And I was thinking, who do we have to beat to get that title? I mean, you got maybe Colorado Springs, maybe Wheaton, Illinois. We can take them. Come on. And then I started thinking, well, how can we make L.A. the greatest city for Christ? And then it hit me like a two-by-four, and that's what inspired this song. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Great. One, two, one, two, three, four. There are Christians all around the world with no place to hang their hat, no Mecca or a holy land to say that's where it's at. Scattered to the four winds, bound by theology. The city of angels has lots of room if everyone else leaves. Let's make L.A. the greatest city for Christ the world has ever known. The Mormons have Salt Lake. The Pope has dibs on Rome. If you pray the sinner's prayer, then make this town your own. But if you're still a pagan, you'll have to leave your home. Barstow is for Buddhists. Hindus get Big Bear. L. Ron Hubbard's group is cleared for anywhere. New Agers are in Mesa, so hit the 405. Muslims should head east. We'll pray that you arrive. The Jews can have the desert from Palm Springs to Iraq. Maybe after 40 years, they can wander back. La Jolla has the answers. All the seekers seek. Seventh-day Adventists can come back once a week. Let's make L.A. the greatest city for Christ the world has ever known. The Mormons have Salt Lake. The Pope has dibs on Rome. If you call the Lord your God, we'd love for you to stay. But if you're still a heathen, you'll have to move away. Agnostics must decide between Ventura and O.C. Environmentalists can scamper out to sea. Atheists must move on. They never will be missed. If the truth were told, we don't think you exist. If your cause is PETA, move on to your new digs. Drive on up the five till you smell the cows and pigs. Left-wing Christian bashers and ACLU. Death Valley has a room reserved especially for you. Let's make L.A. the greatest city for Christ the world has ever known. The Mormons have Salt Lake. The Pope has dibs on Rome. If you think J.C.'s neat, we'd love for you to stay. But if you take his name in vain, you'll have to go away. Christian scientists are easy. Transfer to MIT. 
England gets Kabbalah. Join Madonna there for tea. Sweep Wiccans out to Ojai before they cast a hex. Harry Krishnas can fly out since they're all at LAX. And when everyone is gone, the Christians can move in. We'll live a life that's holy. We'll all be free from sin. Caring for your brother. Bring in your sister's mailbox. I don't trust those Baptists. Let's throw them all in jail. Everybody, let's make L.A. the greatest city for Christ the world has ever known. The Mormons have Salt Lake. The Pope has dibs on Rome. If you pray the sinner's prayer, your roots here will grow deeper. If you're still a sinner, take a flying leap. just didn't have enough email last week, so I asked Bob to do that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's basically what people think of us. That we're, we're not like I said, get out of town, and that's not what this table is about. What this table is about is that you and I are called to go into the world and to love this world, not agree with its beliefs or its values or its systems, but because we belong to Jesus Christ. The question comes up, how tolerant should we be? Well, the answer is it depends on the relational covenant you've made. You and I are to be in a world of tolerance, that you are to be a good citizen, that you are to be a good neighbor, and that you are even to be a global member of this planet and to care about it. But when you and I come to covenant making with Christ, and that's what this is right here, this is a negotiating table. And there you cannot change the terms. You can only accept them. And the terms are that you give God all of your life. And He gives you all of His. That our covenant with each other as the body of Christ, the people that the Lord has loved and saved, tolerance is not the answer. It's not what we tolerate. It's what we instigate. And you and I are called to instigate truth and love. And as we go into this mission to help make this the greatest city, Jesus gives us these honest words. He tells his disciples, and you would think if you go out in the power of the Messiah that has come, the power of the God, the Son in our very presence, the Holy Spirit upon you, that everybody would respond. He says, some people are going to love and you're going to change their lives. You're going to see the power of my Heavenly Father. And he said, also know this, some people are going to hate you. They're going to put you out of the synagogue and when they kill you, they will think they're doing service to God. And that's not a, they're out to get me, paranoia. But they are. <laughs> Not all of them, some of them. And Jesus said, you decide, you're big boys and girls ahead of time, if you know what it's about. Jesus Christ, the church, is unstoppable because it's not of human beings. As we said, the greatest movement in all of world history were the followers of Jesus. Not on their own strength. And Jesus Christ is going to come back physically to rule and reign. Amen? And when He comes back, what He is going to have is his bride waiting for him as he takes us to be with him. 
And what that means is you and I need to go into the world and be tolerant. And yet when it comes to spiritual things, there is no such thing as tolerance. There are such things called love and truth. What do I mean by that? You got your Bible. Turn with me back over to the Gospel of John. And let's take a look at the 17th chapter on page 880 in your pew Bible. Being in the world of tolerance, I believe, is what a follower of Christ is to be. Jesus is praying now. He is in the garden. He is interceding to his Father. And then he says this in verse 13. But now, Father, I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Aren't you mad Jesus prayed that? But I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, not around it. And for their sake I sanctify myself, so that they also might be sanctified in truth. Well, when I say that, first of all, that we need to be good social contracts of good citizens, the Bible is full of this. Paul himself says, do not associate, and the word is, make alliances with the world. Then he says, I'm not saying don't make friends or do business, or you couldn't be in this world. Think of Joseph in Egypt. Pharaoh was worshipped as a god, and yet Joseph oversaw, and he was such a great administrator, he blessed them. Even in this heathen country. Think of Daniel in Babylon. While he is in Babylon, he is blessing Babylon, but he is standing for the true God. Think of Esther when she was in Persia, blessing the Persians, even though she herself was a Jewess. You think of Paul under the Roman Empire. He was a good citizen of Rome, and he says, in fact, pray for the emperor. We saw that shocking thing. So you and I as Christians are called to be good citizens. By the way, when we, I don't think communion will be in heaven. I think this is the third cup of the Passover. The fourth cup, the cup of celebration, I think when Jesus is uh, signified in Revelation, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And when we get there, I think that we're going to find out that most of the Christians we meet never knew a thing called democracy. They They lived under kings or queens or emperors. And even then under those form of governments, they were told to be good citizens. As we saw a few weeks ago when we studied uh, Paul in, in Romans 14. So we are to come together and to realize that you can't run away from the world. Jesus said, let your good works so shine before men that they will see them and give praise to your Father who is in heaven. I don't care what they believe. I don't care how they act. You and I are called to go out and do good. Not reinforce sin. Don't misunderstand me. But we are to do good things no matter who they are. And that means tolerating some wacky beliefs. It also means that you are a man or woman in business of your word. As soon as they find out you're a Christian, and they should find out not just from your bumper sticker, but by the way you live and that you share your joys, you sell a product that's worth the price. And when you say you're going to be there, you're going to be there. And you're not backstabbing in the schoolroom or in the office. And you do what people need, not just what you can take advantage of. Guy standing out, a shepherd 
All of a sudden, this brand new Porsche pulls up. Young guy gets out. He's got on Versace tie, Armani suit, expensive shoes. He comes over. He says, hey, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, can I take one of them home? Shepherd goes, sure. He looked across the hills. Well, the guy pulls out his laptop. He gets up a GPS. He gets a satellite imagery of it. He gets these logarithms being put out. He prints out 150 sheet in a sheet report on it, and then he says, you have 1,586 sheep. Can I have one? He goes, sure. So he went out and he picked up an animal and he put it in the back of his car. Before he's going off, Shepard said, hey, if I tell you what you do for a living, could I have my animal back? And he goes, sure. He goes, I'll bet you're a computer or IT consultant, aren't you? He said, yeah, how'd you know that? He said, well, first of all, you came without being asked. Second of all, you charged me for information I already knew. And three, you don't know a thing about my business. Can I have my dog back? <laughs> when you and I are out in the marketplace, yes, we are to be people of our word. America is a country of democracy. And you and I need to be good citizens of this democracy. Tolerance, the dictionary says, the capacity for or practicing of recognizing and respecting the opinions, practices, and beliefs of others. Now, all the great men and women throughout the ages, no matter what their governmental form they lived under, were tolerant Christians when it came to the society where they lived. Everyone in this society is free to organize. They are free to march down any street they want and to vote any way they want. And by the way, so are we. And one of the big troubles with the church is not the sin of intolerance. It's the sin of apathy. We don't even care. We're so busy in our little lives that we're not reaching out. And I want to tell you, every other religion on the face of this earth and our culture, you don't touch. But Christianity is free game. You know why? Because Christians don't respond. We need to get our acts together and say, treat us like you treat them. Amen? Amen. And what I think, this whole thing of radical Islam, the Islamicists, and for 1,400 years the greatest fight against the church has always come from Islam. Now, some Muslims are wonderful men and women. Do not broad brush paint on this thing. But you know what I'm talking about. The moment you step on their toes, the church backs off and says, we're so sorry. We're not trying to step on their toes, but we stand for what is truth. And here's how you win them over. You're not going to like this. You love them. You be good neighbors. You be not only good citizens, you be good neighbors to them. You do things for them. Like, you know, right now they're in Ramadan. Don't leave food on their front porch in the daytime. That is not a nice thing to do. Or our Jewish friends, don't invite them over for crab dip, okay? That's not nice things to do. Be a little sensitive that is out there. But you do come alongside and say, because Jesus says, my father gives the rain on the just and the wicked. He makes his sunshine upon those who do right and those who do wrong. We are called to give indiscriminate love and goodness to everybody that is out there. We're not only good citizens. We are good neighbors if we're followers of Christ. And you come up here and you take this thing. And we're also a part of global dwelling. Now, I am not a tree hugger or an earth muffin or a earth worshiper, all right? But people come before horn toads, all right? 
in biblical ecology. But here's a newsflash. People don't do well on a dead planet. Do you know that? And so if you care about each other, you care about this world that we live in. And this population cannot keep consuming the amount of resources we are and not pay for it in the long run. So you and I are called to, yes, to be tolerant in a world that doesn't agree with us as far as citizens and neighbors and global dwellers. But when we come to this table, tolerance isn't the question. Truth and love and God's revelation is the question. In fact, if you notice what Jesus says, that I'm not praying you should be taken out of the world, but you should stay in the middle of it. Now, Jesus says to the church, at, well, let's take a look. We have time. Turn over with me over to the book of Revelation. It should be in the back of your Bible. Um, it's on page 995, the second chapter, and starting at verse uh, 12. Remember, we studied this a while ago, the seven actual churches that the angel, Jesus is speaking through the angel to them. This is at Pergamon. Verse 13, I know where you are living, where Satan's throne is. You were holding fast to my name, and you did not deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. There are some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the people of Israel, so they would not eat food sacrificed to idols and practice fornication. So you also have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent then, if not, I will come to you soon and make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give a white stone. And on the white stone is written a name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now at Pergamum, they are, man, the Roman Empire, Satan's throne, there was a worship of the emperor right there. And they are getting beat, they're being killed for their faith, they're staying true. But he says, I have this against you. You tolerate the teaching, and that is the word. You tolerate the teaching of Jezebel, which was used, of the Nicolaitans, of Balaam and Balak. And what is he talking about? They're saying, to get ahead, you go along. Sex doesn't matter. They're going through these Roman fertility rituals. Get in bed with somebody else. Say the emperor is Lord, even though you don't mean it. God knows the heart. And Jesus says, I will make war with you if you don't knock it off. You do not tolerate that. You cannot love somebody and tolerate destructive behavior. It's not tolerating because your buddy likes to party to let him get in the car and drive drunk so he can kill himself and somebody else. It's not tolerating to go out there and to let bad, sloppy laws take advantage of our children and our elderly and the most vulnerable. That's not a tolerating society. That's an apathetic society. And you and I are called to engage up to our eyeballs with this world. Now, the trouble with we conservatives, heresy is truth out of balance. And I've told you before, her conservatives are always breaking. They're dividing over heresy. And for any of you who are visiting, our own denomination is getting torn between conservative and liberal. And we conservatives have a tendency to break over heresy because we believe things. Liberals, on the other hand, never met a heresy they didn't like. Why? Because it's all mushy thinking. Everything's kind of new out there. Well, where do you find your place to serve? 
Like this guy's walking along. He saw somebody on the bridge sitting there. He looked like he was about ready to jump. He says, what are you doing? The guy says, I'm just so alone in life. I don't want to live anymore. He says, oh, don't jump, don't jump. He goes, why not? He goes, I'm sure there are people that like you. He goes, no. He goes, well, Mike, do you believe in God? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, so do I, see? He said, by any chance, are you a Christian? The guy getting ready to jump goes, yeah, I am. He goes, well, so am I. We're brothers. By any chance, are you by any chance a Presbyterian? And he goes, yeah. He goes, see, do you see why you're here? And he goes, by the way, are you Presbyterian Church United States of America or Orthodox Presbyterian? And he said, Orthodox. And he pushed him up and went, die, heretic. <laughs> we will be close till we get to the point where we don't like each other and then we break. Having said that, Jesus says, you must declare the truth. The world is not going to applaud you. Some people will be changed. They said, you get ready. And I'm telling you that, he says, so you remember when it happens. Some of them you will hate you because it's not about you. It's about them and my Father and the truth of my revelation of who I am. And when they go out and do that, you're not supposed to, when they're stoning you, you don't pick up stones and throw them back at them. That's what I would do. If they're stoning me, I'd try to hit a couple of them, wouldn't you? <laughs> said, no, 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 no. You love me and you let me take care of this. Now, that does not mean you don't stand up for others. Don't misunderstand that. And like I said, what we need to, if you're going to be a part of this church and this mission, what I need us to do is to come together and to commit. All of us, and I interact with you and I share in this struggle, all of us, our lives, we need to take the time to stop our little, busy, money-chasing, pleasure-driven, grudge-holding, fame-seeking overscheduled, sleep-deprived lives and take a chill pill and say there's a different way to live. And that's men. And that's, that is what this table is about. This church, not Bel Air, but if we're a part of the body of Christ, and we are, but the body of Christ, church capital C, is unstoppable. Because God, it's His body. And He is moving us ahead. And we've got the good news. And if the only difference that people know about you and me is what we don't eat or drink, or how we dress, or the God language we use, but they don't really know our dreams and what we stand for, of course they're not going to care about Christ. And we have the truth. Our Muslim friends today are going through Ramadan trying to make sure that their good deeds are better than their bad because they serve this holy God who they don't know whether they'll make it or not. Our Jewish friends today on Yom Kippur are coming and they are reciting and confessing their sins, not only to God but to each other, saying, if I have done wrong, let me make restitution because God is a God of covenant. And yet they don't know that their sins have been paid for already. And you and I have the truth right here. You know what a sacrament means? doesn't mean sacred. It's a Roman word from the Roman legions. Sacramentum. Once a year, a Roman legion, where saluting came from, a Roman legion had to say, my heart is Caesar's. And a sacramentum was an oath. It was saying, I belong to Caesar, not to me. In the early church, many of the Romans who came to Christ took these to realize the sacraments that God had given. These are statements. We belong to Christ. How did the world be conquered by this little city by the name of Rome up in northern present-day Italy in the center part of it? 
And the answer took place about 10 years before the book of Revelation was written. The great resort town for the Greco-Roman world of Pompeii. In 79 A.D. on August 23rd, Mount Vesuvius exploded like Mount St. Helens in your backyard and destroyed the city. 1749 it was discovered and they went and they went redigging. The funny thing, you know, they only discovered about 2,000 mummified bodies of a town that had 20,000. Probably 18,000 people fled. Who didn't? Some of them might have been caught sleeping. A lot of them they found people that had gone back and they found gold and precious things in their hands. It might have been they were coming back for wealth and it cost them their lives. But you know who else they found? The Roman centurion. Mummified. One of them you can see sitting there still holding his Roman spear. He was responsible for six square feet. And the Roman legions had conquered the world with that commitment just to his. In the same way, you and I say, I can't change the world, but I am responsible for this little plot of earth called where I live. And I will stand with Christ because Christ holds me. He says in this prayer, Father, of all those thou hast given me, I have lost not one, not a zippo, not a one. And if you belong to Christ, the question is, can you hold on to him? The question is, can you shake him? Because he claims to have paid for you. He claims to love you so much, he'll never let you go. He claims that all things in your life, your heartbreaks, your disappointments, as well as your joys, he is working together for his glory and your good. And that's what this table is about. This is not a Presbyterian table. It's a table of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I invite any of you who want to call upon Christ for your salvation, he's already picked up the bill if you let him. And only those that are willing to come and to let him be the Lord of your life. You don't need to be sinless or you wouldn't be here. You do need to say, God, take my life and change it the way you want by your grace to come and partake. We're going to be doing this by intinction where we take the bread and we have different breads from the world. And as you tear it off, some of them are really great bread. Some of them are a little tough. It's kind of like body of Christ uh, as you're pulling that off. But, uh, <laughs> but as you take those out and as you dip it in the cup, and as you chew on that bread and you crush it in your teeth, you and I should have been by a holy God crushed, not for our mistakes, for our flat-out sinful, rebellious heart. And you never will, because He took our hit on the cross. And as you drink in the fruit of the vine and the miracle of biology, it becomes a part of you, literally, in your cellular life. Likewise, spiritually, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to take over our lives and let the new person, the new woman, the new man out and to live and to bless this world. You're a good citizen. You're a good neighbor. You're a good dweller on this planet. Do you love these people next to you? Are you committed to them? And will you let him forgive you? That's what this is about. This time I would like to ask Pastor Elias, our pastor of uh, outreach, if he would come up and do explain these elements as we set them aside. And in a moment after we've prayed for them, We'll have different people come to different stations to be able to share with us the gifts of God. Thank you. This is the Lord's table.
is not this church table, it's Jesus' table. And he instructed the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to give the proper instructions to all of us that will be participating in this celebration. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that he had received from the Lord what he was about to pass on to his disciples. To his disciples. And here is what he said. That the Lord Jesus, in the night that he was going to be betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave to his disciples, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this, and he remembers of me. In the same way, after they had finished their meal, the Lord took the cup and told his disciples, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and he remembers of me. And as often as you break the bread and you drink the cup, you are proclaiming to the world the death of the Lord until he comes back. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come into your presence only through Jesus, the mediator, the one that we celebrate his sacrifice at this very moment. And we are so thankful to you. Because we were lost without God, without hope in this world. But you, God, made come upon him the iniquities of all of us. And that punishment that was put upon him on the cross brought us peace and we have been healed. We exalt you. We exalt you because you had mercy upon us. And now, Lord, as we celebrate his sacrifice, bring us back to the cross humbly and help us to rededicate ourselves to your service. In the name of Christ, amen.